Hey guys, today I have my friend uh, Brandy Anderson. Um, just thought I'd start out saying uh, I met Brandy online on Instagram. Um, I was just, I like Instagram for all the quotes and why sayings and stuff like that. And so um, the more accounts I follow that do that, the more that I recommend it to me. So somehow I found Brandy through that and I really liked her stuff. I liked um, stuff she was saying about Christianity and just. Uh, wisdom she shared in general um so uh just thought i'd connect a little bit more and so we got to talking and uh then we had some video chats and yeah she's great so i thought i'd bring her on today um brandy do you want to kind of introduce yourself and kind of tell some of your your story uh yeah um well my name is brandy anderson and um I've enjoyed uh, posting on Instagram. That's that's kind of my outlet. That's where Kendall and I met. Uh, but I also have a blog. And I guess, um, yeah, I guess I'll just uh, tell a little bit about myself. I was raised in a Christian family, primarily Baptist and Methodist denominations. Um, it just never really resonated with me. And so as an adult, I would have identified with the faith of my family, but I wasn't really plugged into the church at all. And in 2014, I had a spiritual awakening that propelled me to seek out spiritual truth um, intensely. I had been experiencing um, a season of depression, and after months of just intense heaviness, I suddenly cried out to God. Um, It wasn't a pious prayer by any means. It was more of an if-you-were-there kind of prayer, where I just unleashed my frustrations into the atmosphere, hoping something might shift. And so within that swirl of thoughts and emotions, I suddenly heard a voice penetrate through the chaos, and it was as loud and clear as anything I've ever heard in my life, and it silenced me to my core, and the words were just, be still. And so a sudden peace just washed over me that was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. It lasted for days, I mean, even weeks after that encounter. I knew that it was God, but I had no context for what I had experienced, so... I plugged into a few non-denominational churches over the next few years, and I spent time just sifting through the vast theological nuances of mainstream Christianity. Um, Ultimately, though, I found mainstream religious answers to life's most important questions less than satisfying. And I eventually landed in a more contemplative space where I found a lot of peace and refreshment. Um, There were still a lot of loose ends, theologically speaking, but there was room for mystery and grace which allowed me to just hold the paradox of life with more compassion. And I I guess you could say I had transitioned from a more conceptual seeking into a more experiential seeking. So I was just attempting to go within and and find transformational wholeness in that space. And so I became interested in like quantum discussions as it relates to consciousness Um, I began to really press into the view of reality as one singular consciousness that gives birth to all of creation. So to use the popular metaphor, the idea that we are all just waves in in one ocean. So to see proof within quantum physics that the mind creates matter, not the other way around, and that we are all interconnected was really compelling for me. And to view myself and the world around me as energy that cannot be destroyed, only transformed, really just shifted me into a more open way of seeing and being. Um, And I also became really interested in Carl Jung. Um, I could sense that a psycho-spiritual approach was the only real pathway into wholeness. 
So I found Jung's work um, as it relates to the shadow and individuation compelling also. Uh, in spiritual circles, there is often an emphasis on killing the ego, which is just really spiritual bypassing. I mean, you can't kill the ego. You would, you would be psychotic. So, but the ego isn't bad. It's necessary. And oftentimes in psychology, though, alternately, there's an emphasis on the material in a way that excludes the spiritual, um, and that also doesn't lead to genuine wholeness either. So the psycho-spiritual approach just really resonated with me, and I could see the way into enlargement or wholeness was through integrating the shadow while also viewing the ego as necessary, not something to extinguish. So the idea of integration and transcending the ego um, in a way that brings balance was just really helpful for me. And so that's kind of the space that I'm in. Um, it's just like a, um, a journey out of the meaninglessness of contradiction, which is where I was in the months leading up to my spiritual awakening, um, into a more meaningful world of paradox, uh, which is where the psycho-spiritual approach uh, brings us. When we, when we embrace paradox, we welcome mystery and grace, and we step into our highest path from that perspective. And so it was from this perspective that I began to study spiritual direction at the Hayden Institute. Um, Hayden's psycho-spiritual approach really resonated with me, and um, I was primarily interested in the program for my own personal inner work. Uh, I had no real intentions of becoming a spiritual director for others. I just wanted to press more deeply into my own shadow and maybe gain access to more resources to facilitate, facilitate personal growth. Um, and I recently graduated from Hayden, and I, I plan to maybe press into Jungian shadow work moving forward. Uh, like I said, my primary interest is in my personal path of integration, uh, but I also enjoy coming alongside others on similar journeys. Uh, kind of to offer space for people to come up for air. I think that's helpful. So I'm just really passionate about sharing things that I that have been pivotal to, to me, transformative for me, in a way that, uh, that might help others along in their journey of becoming. Um, and so that's my motivation for posting on Instagram and my blog, kind of, kind of where I'm at currently in a contemplative space still. Yeah. Wow. What a, what a story. What a journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, obviously a lot of the things you're into, uh, I love as well. Um, I want to ask a few questions that kind of, uh, flesh out some of what you said. Um, you said at first you were in kind of a depression. Was that kind of like a existential, uh, wondering about answers to the, to the universe and you felt like the answers you had weren't good enough or they weren't answered or how would you describe that? Yeah. So I guess it was, I wasn't really, it was definitely existential angst, you know, and it was a sense that, you know, from the perspective of life is contradiction, the contradictions of life, either we live in a, like a cognitive dissonance where we don't face that we're really not paying attention. And so we live, heavily from the false self, you know, and it's all the persona image and we distract ourselves, you know, with all of the meaningless things, you know, around us. I mean, all of society does it. But, you know, when we begin to pay attention to the discrepancies, uh, the contradictions, it leads us naturally, if we're paying attention, into despair, you know. And so I guess I had begun to, I guess I exhausted the limits of my false self. I had come to a place where 
You know, I had tried multiple things to, you know, obtain happiness in my life, uh, balance. And just like we all do, you know, you have to, you know, create that ego container and then exhaust the limits of it. I, I, I had just exhausted the limits of it and I found life to be meaningless um, in that space. Um, so I wasn't really, you know, like specifically wrestling with questions of, you know, like religious type questions. I wasn't practicing any form of religion, really. It wasn't like I was mm. on, a, I mean, everything's spiritual, but I wasn't like consciously on a spiritual journey at that point. I think I just had come to a place where, you mm. know, my way of handling reality was not working well for me anymore. Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've talked about in previous podcasts how it seems like a lot of people that have, you know, these spiritual awakenings, um, and myself included, um, kind of first have a shadow awakening to <laughs> how our uh, reality that, that we know is uh, incomplete or, or there's a lot of screwed up things about it. <laughs> and so it's like we hit a wall kind of and just like, what do we what do we do from here? Um and so after your spiritual awakening, um, you talked about how um, you tried a couple different churches and just it wasn't satisfying to you or, or, or previous way uh, of, of beliefs about um, things didn't, didn't work for you anymore. Can you go into more detail about um, some of those things or maybe... Uh, the, the the church services and, and how you felt that there was some things missing in there. Yeah, so well, because I was raised in a Christian family, that was just my perspective coming into it. I mean, I, I my spiritual awakening encounter, I, you know, I felt as though I had encountered God. And like I said, I had no context for it. And though I was raised uh, in the church, um, throughout my teen years, I was disconnected from, I mean, like I had pushed away from. So, um, but that was the doorway that I entered into my, my spiritual journey through the Christian context. And so, yeah, I did. I plugged into um, several non-denominational churches over the years, just like searching for uh, answers, existential questions, you know, is, is what I had at that point and trying to make sense of everything. And really pressing into scripture to kind of mine out ultimate truth. I mean, you know, for me, I didn't need truth to look any particular kind of way. And I think, you know, a lot of people who are raised in the church, who are heavily steeped in Christianity, they need truth to look a certain kind of way. It needs to be wrapped in a certain kind of box. It needs to complement their life in a certain way. And for me, it wasn't like that. Uh, the, the experience that I had had, you know, filled me with peace just absolute peace that's indescribable and I wanted more of that and so as I was sifting through all of the theological nuances and all of the you know the various doctrines uh, it was like a cognitive dissonance you know uh, just the things within the church some of the you know the mm -hmm. doctrines or whatever it just really didn't it wasn't didn't uh, strike me as truth in the way that it brings about wholeness and peace Instead, it, it uh, was very fear-based, uh, you know, and so, yeah, I had like mm. a, yeah, it just didn't resonate. It just didn't feel like truth to me. Hmm. Okay, yeah, interesting. Um, and so you go on and you talk about uh, psychology and how you felt that added another important layer to 
understanding things and, and living out your life. Um, what do you think uh, psychology adds on? Or, or How would I say this? Do you think theology is, is – is, some people would say, why do we need psychology? We have, we have theology. What, what do you think it adds or, or fleshes out? Yeah, so, well, we're not just spiritual beings, you know, uh, so to just focus on spiritual spirituality, you know, and exclude the psychological element, which is uh, common to every human, um, is, is a fragmented way of, of approaching things. I mean, we are, you know, we're psychological, we're spiritual, and we are physical. And so just like we need physical health, you know, nutrition, proper nutrition and a balanced uh, diet, exercise, things like that to remain healthy on a physical level. Uh, you know, we also need psychological health and spiritual health. And all of those things are not they're not mutually exclusive. I mean, they're um, they're all just just various aspects of one whole. So it's all it's both and, you know, and not either or. Hmm. Right, right. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, one thing why I like Carl Jung, and I'm sure you feel the same, is because he kind of, uh, you know, he acknowledges the spiritual and tries to get into that as well. So I think he tries to have a synthesis of both together where uh, some some psychology might be missing more of the, the spiritual aspects. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And that's the thing that really drew me into Jungian psychology was his psycho-spiritual approach. Jungian was very spiritual, deeply spiritual. And he had a lot of uh, spiritual encounters in his, home, in his own life that he shares. And um, he even communicated with spirits. And he, you know, he talks about that and his um, view of uh, what it's like when we, when we cross. So I thought that was really interesting. Wow. Well, that kind of leads to our next section. Um, I know you have uh, written a book and, and you're trying to get that published. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what's in that book? Yeah, so well, I'll just, uh, just kind of give the background leading up to how the book came to be um, and my experience, uh, kind of what happened. Um, yeah, that, that prompted me to write the book. So as I began my time at Hayden, I was just really resting in the mystery of a very contemplative space. Like I said, I was just holding the paradox with compassion and curiosity. Um, but there were a lot of loose ends theologically. Um, I was able to allow those loose, end, loose ends to just be there. Um, and when I say loose ends, I really just mean that there are conflicting views almost every point of theology within mainstream Christianity. Um, I spent years reading volumes, poring over the scriptures as it relates to various topics such as hell. I mean, scholars debate three main views on just hell alone. And then the end times, which I think there's like four main eschatological views uh, that are debated within Christianity. And dispensationalism would be the most prominent evangelical position, you know, on that. But the list goes on ad nauseum. So the atonement, the resurrection, the kingdom of heaven. I mean, if there's a point of theology within the church, there are conflicting opinions just swirling around it. Uh, so there's precious little clarity within the Christian church, by and large, especially mainstream evangelical right. Christianity. So, and here in the South, the conservative evangelical view just overshadows alternate views with a heavy dose of fundamentalism thrown in for good measure. So... It's really difficult uh, to sift through all of the theology, 
But that really is just conceptualizing the divine. And so that's not at all the same thing as experiencing the divine. And I had come to a place where the theological wrestling had ceased, and I was able to just rest in the mystery and experience the divine within all creation in a rich and meaningful way. So about midway through my time at Hayden, I experienced something that brought things into sharp focus with searing existential clarity. And I can see how all of my life up to that point was preparing me for that encounter. I was opened up to quantum possibilities in a way that allowed me to openly experience what was unfolding in a way that would penetrate, in a way that I, would, I could genuinely receive it. So my grandmother, who had lived until the ripe old age of 95, was fearful as she approached physical death. And when the time came for her to cross, she resisted in a way that caused her to become stuck as she crossed over, which created a portal where she was eventually able to communicate with us. So I should say that as, as people approach physical death, the veil separating the physical realm and the spiritual realm becomes thin. And this is why people on their deathbeds are often reported to have seen or communicated with those who have already crossed. They, you know, sometimes they see into the spirit realm. They report having seen angels, things such as that. And at the moment of death, the veil, which has already thinned, opens, which is referred to as a portal. The opening is a portal <clears throat> where the spirit slips from the physical into the quantum or spiritual realm. Um, and this is usually an instantaneous phenomenon, like maybe a split second, you know, of opening. Uh, but in some cases where death is sudden or traumatic or when people fiercely resist, the spirit can become stuck um, for a time, causing the portal to remain open. You know, and, and when that happens, the open portal allows spirits to be able to connect with the physical realm more easily. I mean, there are still obvious limitations, but generally speaking, it takes less energy for them to affect the physical realm when there is an open portal. So my grandmother, compelled by great love and devotion, utilized her portal to push back into time and space in a way that brought a lot of healing to her loved ones. She reconciled with family members she apologized for some things, um, which brought a lot of peace. She brought perspective and wisdom into some relational situations in a way that really broke destructive patterns in some people's lives. I would say she even saved some lives, like literally. Um, it was really amazing, deeply comforting, and healing for those of us who were there to receive it. And I should also probably uh, pause and just say that on the other side, there is no shadow. The full light of consciousness brings truth to the forefront. So, and because of this, people who have crossed often desire reconciliation with loved ones. Sadly, they're often unable to connect for various obvious reasons, um, but they see with clarity into the heart of people in situations and they see the truth. It isn't hidden like here in the physical realm. And they desire to, you know, make amends, to, to say the things that need to be said, to um, have a sense of reconciliation and healing. But it was from this, I guess, from within this full light of consciousness that my conversations with my grandmother were able to offer such compelling truth as it relates to ultimate reality. Um, my grandmother connected with us out of a loving desire to bring about relational healing where it was needed. But because I'm on a deeply spiritual journey filled with existential and theological questions, I made use of our communication to have conversations around what I consider to be life's most important questions. 
And um, most of what my grandmother shared just confirmed or brought into sharper focus what I had already come to intuit as ultimate truth. There were some things she shared that were not already a part of my worldview. Um, but overall, her communication with me was a tremendous gift that tied up the loose ends in a way that brought me great peace. I mean, there'll always be an element of mystery. Uh, life is by nature paradoxical. But having some clarity about the nature of reality as it relates to purpose and meaning is paramount to taking the journey into our highest life path. As long as we embrace illusion or cling to comfortable lies, you know, or untruths, uh, the nature of, you know, we violate the nature of existence and we suffer. So it's only from within the full light of consciousness and when that penetrates the shadows that we experience um, genuine freedom, real transformation. So I was able to engage with my grandmother in rich conversation that has brought a, a tremendous amount of peace and perspective. I talked to her about the existence of evil, the purpose of life, heaven, hell, the nature of darkness, demons, the devil, even Jungian perspective of becoming whole. I, you know, we even talked about Carl Jung. So just a lot of rich conversation. And I wrote a book where I share some insights as it relates to these topics. Um, in the book, I weave together all of these existential insights into a holistic perspective of ultimate reality that should be transformative for people of all walks of life. I mean, I'm coming from a Christian perspective, so it's filtered through a, a Christian lens in that capacity, but tr truth transcends religion, it, it, you know, uh, or tradition. So uh, the things that I share should be uh, deeply beneficial to people from, you know, any, any tradition, any perspective um, and I basically just offer insight into what happens when we leave this physical realm and how that should impact the way we live life now. Um, my ultimate desire is just to bring a sense of hope and peace into the world to share what has been so deeply transformative for me with others and um, the book is finished and professionally edited and now I'm just trying to iron out publication options. I have sent proposals out to a few agents but if that doesn't work out then I'll just consider other avenues. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what a, what a story. Um, very, very unusual, obviously. Um, so I think some questions some people might would have is number one, was your grandmother a Christian when she passed? Yes, she was. She was, um, you know, I think raised in the Methodist church, I think raised in the Methodist, it could have been a Baptist situation, but, uh, her adult life, married life was Methodist. Um, raised her kids in the church. It was a never miss a Sunday kind of situation where, uh, you know, where the kids got um, the little pins for attendance, you know, where you never miss a Sunday or whatever your attendance. Um, she um, attended Bible studies, that kind of thing. So yeah, she, she was definitely a Christian, um, a church going, participating, active Christian. And she would have give, given mental assent to the idea that, um, you know, if you pray the sinner's prayer, you're saved from an afterlife, you know, in hell, that you go to heaven when you die. That was very much a part of her mm -hmm. worldview. But I'm, I must say, though, that even with all mm -hmm. of that, I mean, she had blessed little assurance because she was horrified uh, of death. She really was afraid mm -hmm. to die. Why do why you think that is? Well, I, you know, I don't know. I, I would say that it's... Um, is probably that uh, that cognitive dissonance that we were talking about earlier. I think a lot of people have, they give mental assent, they have a, 
you know, conceptually they believe certain things, but, you know, experientially there's a, there's a gap, you know, it's like, uh, mm -hmm. we say we believe this or that, but, uh, down deep in our depths, you know, we're not experiencing that. We don't have the peace that that should really bring. If we truly believe this, like if you believe something, you'll live your life a certain kind of way. Your life will reflect, mm -hmm. uh, what, what you actually believe. But, uh, oftentimes people, you know, they give, like I said, they just give mental assent to a certain doctrine and it, there's no experiential um, component to that. Mm. Yeah, that's a great answer. Um, mm. Totally agree. Um, so when your grandma passed over, um, you know, you said she got stuck. How would you describe where she got stuck? Is she in heaven or hell or like purgatory or how would you describe that? <laughs> yeah. So from what I understand there, you know, there's the physical realm in which we operate. We live and move in the physical and we see things physically, materially. And then there's the spiritual realm, quantum realm where, you know, we, it's the unseen realm. And those realms sort of overlap. So it's just not, so when she, they overlap in a way that we don't see it, but it's ever present. It's always there. The spiritual, everything um, around us is spirit. I mean, we are spirit at our core, you know. Um, so when she crossed, right. she got stuck mm -hmm. between the physical and the spiritual. But, it, you know, in the sense of heaven and hell, that's, mm. um, you know, I don't I mean so much baggage with those words. Um, in evangelical language, it would be like there are destinations that you go to when you die. There's a place called heaven where you are far removed from physical existence, where there's a place called hell. And so I would say that uh, those those two realities, as believed in, in traditional um, Christianity or that I was taught, that's not true. Um, you know, heaven is not a place we go to. It's a place we come from. So when she crossed over into the spiritual realm, she just kind of got stuck between the physical and the spiritual. She resisted in a way that, um, that her portal was able mm. to remain open. It didn't close, you know, if you just slip through instantaneously, mm. it opens and closes, you know, within seconds. But because she was resisting, trying to hang on to her physical existence, um, yeah, it, it, uh, her, her portal just remained open. Hmm. Right. It, so is that what, uh, ghosts are? Is, is that, are, are they, is that what yeah. they are? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you, you see, like you hear of people having haunted houses or you, maybe you watch the paranormal stuff on television where, um, you know, there are haunted places, you know, um, the paranormal, poltergeist type activity is going on in those in those locations there are portals because uh when you get heavy poltergeist activity you know things moving objects moving um is definitely a situation where there is an open portal and open portals can be caused by more than just when people cross and resist um you know people who are uh, like into like communication with spirits like Ouija boards things such as that they they definitely can open portals but in a dangerous way mm -hmm. because you're just taking a blind stab into the spiritual realm and when you open those portals up anything and anyone mm -hmm. can 
can pop through. I mean, it's just, it's an open door between here and there. And, um, so yeah, so that, that's, that's definitely what ghosts or hauntings, um, that's what it is. It's an open portal where, mm. where the spirit realm is affecting this, the physical realm. Okay. Um, so how did your grandmother communicate with y'all? Yeah, so she, about a month or, or so after she crossed, she found a way to turn the smart TV on, navigate to the search bar, and type words into the search bar. So for the, for the family who first witnessed that, it was, it was horrifying, to say the least. Um, but that's, that's how, that, <laughs> that was the method of her, and that's how we've had sustained communication because, you know, in most instances, it's like, you know, that a place may be haunted. These things are happening. Things are moving, but you, you know, there's no real sustained communication. Even on these ghost hunter shows, you see people, you know, they ask yes or no questions and then they get like a green light for yes or a red light for no. It's very limited, mm -hmm. but because she was able to type words, sentences, we were able to have like full on conversations. It was, it was really quite phenomenal after, you know, of course, after the, mm. the fear and shock of what was happening subsided and we were able to uh, receive her communication openly. Mm -hmm. Right. So I know you said, you know, obviously when people use things like Ouija boards, it's just opening up a portal um, and anybody can communicate. So how, do you know that it was your grandmother communicating with you? Yeah. So when it first started happening, um, initially I, I thought, or I was concerned that it could be a hacker, not something spiritual. I wondered if someone, a person had hacked into the television, was playing a distasteful mm. prank. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a very logical minded person. So I was like, we need to rule right. out any possibility of that. Um, in time, uh, we did determine that it couldn't be a person um, because the entity, the, whatever was communicating with us, was able to read our thoughts and know things that no person could know that no one else knew. And so that rocked us to our core. We were like, this is definitely not a hacker. It's not a person, um, you know, like in the physical. So then, you know, um, you know, then you worry, mm -hmm. is it, is it something evil? Is it, uh, you know, a demon? Is it, you know, an evil spirit? Mm -hmm. Is it something not good trying to, um, sabotage us, communicate, reach out to us. So, but we, you know, finally in the beginning, we would just, uh, you know, pray, sage, tell it to leave. We did, you know, we did, we weren't even opened initially to it being my grandmother. It was just something was happening that was frightening. And so the inclination was to just pray, pray, pray it away, cleanse it, sage it. Um, but finally, I was like, you know, what if this is our grandmother? What if, you know, what if it is her? So as we sat with that and allowed the communication to move forward in a way where we were able to ask questions and kind of discern, you know, um, we were able to see that it was that it was our grandmother because of the love. And the devotion, like I said earlier, the, the health and healing that it brought to specific familial relationships um, was just geared toward reconciliation and healing. And so 
In fact, in the beginning, when fear was involved, like when she first popped on and said hello and everyone went shrieking out of the house, you know, completely beside <laughs> themselves with terror, when that happened, the TV shut off and there was no more communication for like a week. Um, if it had been something evil, it would have, you mm. know, just been fueled by the fear, you know, evil things. They want, you know, they would they would right. want to incite fear and dissension mm. and so all of the communications were, you know, in love, clearly, and brought a lot of healing. Like I said, saved some lives, like literally. Mm. Mm. Wow. Um, so I know you've said that um, not all your family is in line with this. Um, how would you say uh, it's just like some people, you know, obviously this whole topic of spirits and communicating with spirits is very kind of taboo for, for modern Christians and, um, creates a lot of fear. Um, and so, you know, some of your family still, still is, is at that, at that place, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, in the beginning, you know, as we shared with, you know, limited people, I mean, at first I had to kind of iron this out for myself, wrap my own head around it, you know, um, mm -hmm. It, some of the people in our family that we did share with were, you know, very tentative, you know, as they, you know, approached it, they, you know, they said, I believe you, like, I know you're not making this up, you know, because people who know, know me, know us, they know, you know, that we wouldn't just be making something like this up, but they just weren't sure what to make of it. And so ultimately, um, yeah, there are some people that are just kind of close to it. They think it must be something bad, you know, because they've been, you know, taught in mainstream Christianity that it must be demons because your loved ones can't communicate with you. And, you know, of course, there's no biblical precedent for that. But, you know, they, they interpret scripture in a way and <laughs> create their doctrines in a way so as to exclude that um, as an option. And so I've had, you know... Uh, you know, I've had some family say, well, it, you know, I have no doubt someone or something is talking to you, but it, it must be a demon, you know, and I'm like, yeah, but, you know, if it were a demon, mm -hmm. it would be stirring up dissension and fear and, you know, wreaking havoc. Um, it wouldn't mm -hmm. be trying to heal relationships and tell us that it loves us <laughs> and, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, there are some people that just aren't open to it and that's okay. Right. I mean, everyone's where they are. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I guess I don't want to get too off track. I don't know if you wanted to say anything about like saging. I know that's not a, a common thing that, you know, Christians uh, deal with or know about it. Yeah. Um, well, in the in the more contemplative space and like at the Hayden Institute where like I studied spiritual direction, uh, Christians do, you know, sage. Uh, sage is a part of, you know, just another tool mm -hmm. in the belt, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a, a way to cleanse an area. And it's really the intention. It's not so much the sage. I mean, sage has a cleansing, mm -hmm. um, you know, benefit to it. But, you know, you pray and you sage, you know, and you banish evil, release negative energy, that kind of thing. It's just, you know, the intent to mm -hmm. operate in love and light. And uh, you set that intention and it's uh, like maybe a mm -hmm. prophetic act, you know, as the smoke carries the negativity out of your house, you know, mm. that, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, I've heard it referred to as kind of like a spiritual protection or spiritual hygiene almost. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, so what can your grandmother, can she continue on? Um, or is she stuck there? How, how does that work? Yeah. So she is not stuck anymore. I mean, initially she was stuck, but, uh, she was able to become unstuck or, or gain some perspective about her situation or accept, you know, the reality that she had crossed and she was no longer stuck. And, um, so as far as the moving on, there are levels, like there's the astral plane, which is closest to us. It's like the, you know, the intersection of the physical and the spiritual. Um, and then there are other planes of existence, like it's vast. I mean, you know, the universe is vast. And so the spiritual realm is, is also mm -hmm. a, a vast space. And so our loved ones can move on what they call, the, they move into the beyond is how they would, that's how my grandmother would, would mm -hmm. articulate it. Um, but even from the beyond, like even our loved ones who have, um, moved on into the beyond and, um, have a sense of, um, like, I, I guess their spiritual journey has continued in that trajectory. They still are with us. So it's not like here in the physical, it's not linear, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like everything is a, a spiral. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, while our loved ones may be in the beyond, they are also very much here with us, and they are looking in on us. They are with us, and um, so it's, yeah, it's 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 mm -hmm. different than in the physical, where if I move on, I'm away from you entirely. We are separated. It's not like that there. But my grandmother mm -hmm. is staying at her portal, mm -hmm. in the sense of not moving into the beyond, because to move into the beyond means that you don't, you're not mm -hmm. able to, to communicate with us. They have to come through that portal. See, that, that's, how, that's how communications would uh, be facilitated. The opening allows a spirit to be able to slip back into the physical and manipulate things in the physical realm. So they have to be close to the physical realm, in proximity, I mean. If that makes sense. It's, it's hard mm -hmm. to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, these things are hard for our mind to grasp, and it's not obviously our normal everyday um perception um i you know we've both done some some research so i think uh um one way to kind of understand it is physicists talk about uh mathematically there are more dimensions than just the third dimension so um you know there's more layers to reality um that are non-physical and so you could kind of say that you know that aligns with um, there's spiritual dimensions and, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a journey. It's not just, oh, you're going to heaven or hell or whatever. So I guess, um, my next thing would be, uh, <laughs> if, if, if someone, you know, is, is close to, to their time, um, what, what kind of advice would you give them to like, Hey, to, to not get stuck, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, so let go is the, that's the message by and large of, you know, in, in speaking to my grandmother about this, I'm like, you know, what, you know, like, what, what are we to do? Uh, what's the path into enlightenment? Uh, how do we not get stuck? I mean, you know, what, what's the key? And it's always let go. That's what she has said uh, every time without exception. So it is that, that idea of allowing 
life to be as it is, to be fully present in every moment. It's what, you know, Eastern traditions would call the path of enlightenment. Um, you know, Jesus modeled it as the non-dual consciousness, um, you know, where, yeah, you just, uh, forgiveness. I mean, in the Christian tradition, it's called forgiveness. I mean, you forgive life for being as it is, and you allow life to be as it is in every moment. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't resist um, the inevitable, but you also don't cling. So there's, there's a sense that you're not clinging to the physical and mm. you're not resisting, uh, the things that are unfavorable. Um, yeah, you allow life to just flow in and through you and really and truly, um, mm. embody love would be the best way to put it. You know, if we, if we are able to live mm. with love, which is our true essence, it's our, it's our, our true identity is love. And so when we drop into that, you know, and exhibit and embody that, um, yeah, we were able to just take the journey in a fluid kind of way without resistance, you know, more, more in a, um, a non-resistance approach to things. So that, that's kind of, but you know, some people, you know, um, some people get stuck because they have a traumatic end. It's, it's un, they're not expecting it, you know. Something traumatic happens and they're suddenly thrust into mm. the spirit realm and they don't know, kind of, they haven't been able to gain a perspective about it. So in that instance, I don't know that you could really prepare for that, but just maybe if you are aware of what's coming next, you might be able to gain some perspective about it uh, faster. Um, but yeah. That, I guess that's what I would say. Just mm. live life with your hands wide open. Yeah, <laughs> yeah great answer. Um, so what would your granny say about heaven and, and hell? Yeah, so hmm, I guess it, it's what we consider hell is like conscious eternal torment or whatever is, is not true. That's It's erroneous. Mm. Um, but hell really is, heaven and hell both are just internal states of being. It's a way of, uh, a state of existence. And so we all would pass through hell on the way into heaven, if you will, if you would like to use those terms, but it really is a, a matter of wholeness, a, a matter of awakening into our invincible oneness with God, of, of being able to have that inner peace, that reconciliation of, you know, the tension of opposites, you know, reconciled and balanced in a way that we become whole. So, and we all pass through that. No one, um, no one avoids that. I mean, you can't, and I guess that's probably the most important thing that I've learned in communicating with my grandmother is that we take with us whatever level of consciousness we've attained at the time of our crossing. So mm -hmm. when people have done their inner work or when they have done no inner work, uh, people who are living just entrenched in this small ego self, they'll find themselves uh, stripped of the shadows and the false pretenses on the other side. And so they'll be fully exposed by the light of consciousness in a way that would uh, be initially difficult and unpleasant, which could be, you know, they, they call it fire. That's, you know, that's what my grandmother would say. She would say it's fire. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I have asked her to flesh that out mm -hmm. and it is the full light of consciousness. It's not like a retributive, eternal conscious torment kind of situation. It's just the, the full light of consciousness mm -hmm. is painful to people who are really stuck in the, um, uh, 
the illusions, you know? And so for those who have done their inner work and are living from their higher self, their true self, they'll make the transition much easier. Um, mm -hmm. So authenticity is comfortable mm -hmm. under the full light of consciousness, but the ego pushes against it mm. in a way that is really, really painful. And so this is true in physical life. So it's why so many people avoid taking the journey inward and doing the inner work now. It's painful. It's easier to distract ourselves and not think about it. Um, it's also true on the other side uh, of the veil. We don't die into heaven. We awaken into it. I mean, Carl Jung said that unless we make the unconscious conscious, mm. it'll drive our lives and we'll call it fate. So um, the idea that when people cross, mm. that they float away into like instant peace and bliss, regardless of their inner condition, is erroneous. I mean, dying is not an escape from the necessary and painful journey of becoming. It's actually a confrontation that forces the issue so like the mystics say, um, if we die before we die, we don't have to die when we die. So the, the light of consciousness is likened <laughs> to a fire that burns away everything that interferes with love. The illusions we cling to, the false self we live from, all of that is incinerated in a way that restores us. So it's a, it's a purification process. It's restorative, not retributive, and it's very much something that we participate in. So it's not forced on us either. Um, it's possible to resist doing your inner work even after crossing, but doing so is much more painful. Um, mm. if you avoid, if you avoid it there, mm. it's more painful than if you avoid it here in the physical. Here in the physical, people live lives, um, of illusion and unconsciousness all the time. The collective masses are all asleep for the most part, living out of their false selves, posturing and pretending. Um, and many aren't even aware of it. It's just like a default way of operating in the world, especially here in the West. Um, but on the other side, the masks are stripped away. The unvarnished truth is laid bare. So resisting inner work on the other side is done under the full light of consciousness, and it causes more suffering than it would here. I mean, even here, the physical resisting, um, here in the physical, resisting ultimate truth generates suffering, but there it's just intensified. So, yeah, so the importance of letting go and shifting into a non-dual way mm. of seeing and being is necessary for wholeness and peace, both here and now. Um, and my grandmother uh, shared with me that it's much better to do the work here in the physical than to wait until we cross. But the good news is, is that we all eventually do let go. Everyone is ultimately made whole and reconciled. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that that's really great. Um, is it, although I'll, I'll just say that you know it, it's very psychological language. So I'm gonna try to say it in a different way, and maybe that might help some people. And you tell me what you think of the way I say it. <laughs> um, but just uh, what what a, the journey is is to understand how we act and how we affect others, and you know the uh, the ways we harm others and harm ourselves but also the way we help others. Um, and also that our identity isn't um, all these labels we put on ourselves or these different, um, say, yeah, I, I'm a Christian or, you know, I'm Kindle, whatever. It's just like that we are a part of God and that we are working towards becoming more who, who, who we actually are as part of, um, God is part of the spirit of God and that's the name of my podcast. Um, but, uh, once we're in the spiritual realm, we will see clearly 
how our lives um, on the physical, what we did and how we affected others. And that is very painful um, or it's more painful if we haven't acknowledged it here in this, in this life. And the more we acknowledge it here and work to, to heal that, the less painful it will be once we cross over and the more we can um, say accept that God loves us and forgives us and um, live in our true identity. How's that sound? <laughs> yeah, that sounds perfect. That's a beautiful way to say it. Um, yeah, I love the way you articulated that. I would 100% agree with you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, so I guess just, um, so what is, what is the, the deal with, um, you know, people say, hey, this religion or this religion is right. And, you know, these people are going to heaven. These people are not. How would you reframe that? Yeah, uh, well, you know, God transcends religion. Um, and so I would say that there's truth to be gleaned from every tradition. I mean, every religion, every tradition has some truth to impart. Um, and we all see through, you know, we see through the, the lens darkly. We don't see fully. Um, so we all have bits and pieces of truth um, mm -hmm. to, to impart. And I would say that ultimately, you know, um, everyone, regardless of uh, religious beliefs or affiliations, uh, we're all being drawn by God into an awareness of our oneness with God. So however you come into that fullness of life, I mean, they're just doorways into the, the same truth, you know. Um, God is bigger than any particular religion. And um, the whole redemptive uh, idea that, you know, the whole world is being redeemed. I mean, I would just say that, yes, the whole world, you know, that Jesus died for all. That it's, you know, it's a reconciliation of, mm. of everyone, you know, like every knee will bow, every tongue confess. That kind of, you know, it's just the universal language that we are all being drawn into it uh, in one way or mm. another. I mean, I, all of life is designed mm. to yeah, awaken I love us. that. It's such a beautiful picture. So um, in, your, in your talks with your grand, grandmother, you know, I'm, this time I've been asking you a lot of questions. What has... Um, uh, what has changed your mind or, or what has she shared with you that su surprised you or kind of changed your thinking? Um, or maybe well, what's, what's most important that you want to share? Cause I'm sure there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would probably say the thing that she, that she shared that wasn't already a part of my worldview. The thing that I found, I won't say surprising necessarily, but, it just, it really wasn't a part of my worldview. Coming from a Christian tradition, uh, reincarnation was not something that I had ever embraced. Um, mm. You know, I had thought about it and I found past life memory accounts uh, in children quite compelling. But coming from a Christian background, it just wasn't something that I ever mm. gave a lot of consideration to. It's just one of those things that I kind of shelved. Uh, um, I just set it aside kind of as, that's interesting. I'm not sure what to do with that. Um, so when she told me that, that reincarnation is true, I began to study it a bit more deeply. And uh, so now I see that the cycles of death and resurre resurrection within all of creation continually bear witness to reincarnation. It's a, as an almost inevitable phenomenon. 
Um, but the Christian pushback that reincarnation contradicts heaven is really a non-issue when we see that heaven mm -hmm. is a place we come from and not a place we go to. Uh, the purpose of life is to awaken into our true self, to become whole as Christ was, is whole. And reincarnation is just opportunity to try again, to take the journey again in, a, in an attempt to fully embrace the physicality of human existence in a way that brings about that wholeness. So according to my grandmother, those who are enlightened, which, you know, like people who have done their inner work and have inner peace and they're reconciled and balanced, uh, mm -hmm. They wouldn't likely choose to reincarnate. Mm -hmm. um, mainly those who feel they missed the mark in some way would want to try again, or those who are still very attached to physical life um, may want to reincarnate also. The point, the point of life is to let go. You know, no clinging, no resistance is the enlightened path. Mm -hmm. So for those who still cling, the physical world is most alluring, even on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found it really surprising and interesting when I started reading a bunch of near-death experiences and a lot of people that were Christians having near-death experiences were like, yeah, I was talking with, um, you know, Jesus or God after in my near-death experience, and we were talking about my past life and different stuff like that, and, um, you know, that, that after their near-death experience that they just accepted that so, so easily, and uh, that was just an adjustment in their belief. And then, um, you know, thinking back to my own awakening, I did have that thought that, Hey, I just, it just doesn't, it, I don't think that we just live one life. And I just had that thought and I never really considered reincarnation before that. Um, so yeah, it's been a really interesting, um, thing to, to look into, uh, myself. Um, so, so you're saying that reincarnation is a, a choice. It's a free will choice for people to do yes it is a choice um and according to my grandmother it's not you know i hear some spiritual teachers some people in spiritual circles say that reincarnation is a choice in the sense that we choose like where like our the location of our reincarnation like where uh, geographically we reincarnate or into which family or who our parents are and you know, like that we choose all these details, that we set our reincarnation situation up in a particular kind of way to try to, you know, like manipulate a certain outcome or, or lean heavily toward an outcome. But according to my grandmother, that's not true. The only thing that we choose is whether or not we do reincarnate. Uh, everything else is, uh, is a surprise. <laughs> it's uh, like we don't, uh, we don't choose... Mm -hmm. um, where, uh, you know, our economic status, um, you know, culturally where we will be, any of that stuff. And she says, ultimately, that those things don't matter anyway, because the point is to wake up. And so we can wake up from any, um, you know, any perspective, so to speak. Um, she did say, though, that uh, we are always or supposed to always be reincarnated within our same family or soul connections, family connections. So like if I were to die tomorrow and say I wanted to reincarnate, I would wait for my family and then we would do it together for those who choose. Those who don't choose, they would just opt out and there are new souls that may be incorporated into your family dynamic. If like say your mom decided not to reincarnate but your dad did, you would just have, you know, like a different mom in that cycle. Uh, but, but you can 
Um, you can choose to reincarnate too soon. I mean, there are instances where people have um, not waited like they were really supposed to and um, eager to come back. They pop back into, um, you know, the physical before, um, you know, before time. And in those instances, I, you know, you hear of accounts where, like, um, where someone's brother had died when they were young, and then now all of a sudden they think, you know, as an adult, their son is actually their brother reincarnated. So, I mean, that, that's kind of what happens if you, if you come back too soon, you may come back into your family in a way that's too close. It's, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't um, facilitate you or them on your, it becomes too complicated. Your highest life path is kind of impeded when you do that. You're supposed to wait. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it's mm. a choice. Everything is a choice. So, um, now that your grandmother has passed and she's on the other side, does that, does she know everything? Is everything clear to her or how does that work um, compared to us here in the physical yeah, so, um, you know, on the other side, they're not like um, omniscient, all-knowing in that sense, but they do have a clear perspective. They can see the truth, and they see into the hearts of people and situations, and if they want to look into something, they see with clarity, so um, nothing is hidden, and I know when my grandmother first, when I realized that, she began to share things with us and say things that kind of hinted at that. And I, you know, so I pressed her and sure enough, yeah, they can, like, there's nothing that is hidden. They know, they know what we think if they want to and uh, how we, our motivations, our, our heart postures. Um, yeah, so they're able to see the truth into any situation. And so I was like, that's really amazing. And I, I was telling my grandmother, I was like, that's so awesome. I could, I, you know, isn't that amazing and wonderful to be able to see the truth, you know, just to see, to cut through all the illusions, all of the pretenses, and just like you just see into the heart of truth that's so glorious. And I was thinking of it from like a nerdy kind of perspective, you know, as someone who, you know, I would love to know, is this spiritual teacher spot on, or are they, are they just misguided, or are they mm -hmm. malicious, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of, you know, I'm thinking of it from that perspective, to be able to see with clarity, just to get to the bottom of things, and uh, her response kind of shook me, she was like, yeah, I mean, in, in that regard, that, that's great, she said, but it's often very painful, and uh, so that caused me to, you know, uh, pause mm -hmm. and just, just kind of think about that for a moment, and I suppose, yeah, because you see, when you cross to the other side, you're able to see your loved ones with clarity. You see what they really thought about you or think about you, what their true motives are, you know. Mm. Uh, nothing is hidden, so it can be particularly painful. Wow. Um, so you're kind of uh, highlighting that um, they can see clearly... Um, I guess the physical, can they see clearly on the opposite end? Like, uh, can they, do they have like a direct line to God and Jesus or other angels, different stuff like that? How does that work? On the other side, uh, they do still have that, um, that clarity. Um, and here in the physical, we have a lot of um, like false pretenses. People put on masks. Um, we present ourselves a certain kind of way. 
So you may know someone and feel like you know them pretty well, but you don't really uh, know their true motivations, things like that. But we can be deceived by people. But on the other side, there is none of that. You can't. Mm -hmm. You can't hide the uh, the truth. And so, yes, um, uh, yeah, they do still have that clarity on the other side. As far as God uh, is concerned, yeah, I mean, they would say that God is existence itself, that God is in us and that we are in God. Mm -hmm. You know, in Him we live and move and have our being. And they, you know, my grandmother encourages us to pray. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's very... Um, you know, it's not as though, I mean, she's very aware of the reality of God, that God is reality itself, and that, um, you know, mm. yeah, so, yeah, they, they're able to see um, with clarity both here, back into the physical realm, but also in, in the spiritual realm. Hmm, okay. So... <laughs> talking about how God is existence itself. Um, and then she says, she encourages you all to pray. Is God actively working on our behalf? Is he going into reality and changing things? Or how would you talk about that? Yeah, well, so when you see that um, God is not a being, but being itself, is not as though some external being is manipulating outcomes or striking people with lightning bolts or, you know, that sort of thing. But life, God, existence, the universe, source, whatever language you want to put, put on that, is benevolently flowing in our favor at all times. And so, yes, I mean, you know, uh, God is definitely working all things for our good, if you, if you will. Um, and our free will comes into play also, like the decisions we make, um, the outcomes, you know, a lot of times, um, well, it, it's, I forget who said it, but, you know, it's, it's the idea that we're not punished for our sins, we're punished by <laughs> our sins. So, you know, as we make decisions mm. and live our lives. Like natural consequence. Yes, the natural is the outflow of the natural consequences uh, of our actions or whatever. But yes, uh, the, the uh, you know, God, the universe is definitely flowing. It's all grace. Every bit of it is grace. I mean, we're, we're hemmed in by grace at every moment. And all of life is designed to, to awaken us. All of life is jostling us in a way that, you know, or even shaking us violently at times, you know, to wake up into the truth of our oneness uh, with God so that we can live into our full potential on our highest life path. So, yeah, I mean, it's, um, yeah, God is definitely affecting our lives. The universe is, is, is moving in ways that we can't see. Um, you, on the other side, it'll all make sense. In reverse, we'll, we'll see with some clarity or whatever. But And we also, something that has been really interesting to me is that we are not alone we have a team of light, if you will, around us. I mean, you know, our loved ones remain with us. Um, you know, we, you know, hmm. we don't float away into some far removed situation uh, where we are, are, are unaware of physical existence when we, when we die. Um, so we stay with our loved ones and help to try to affect, um, you know, influence them, send them signs, encourage them, you know, in the way, you know, it's very limited, obviously, because mm. there is, you know, the veil between 
uh, the spiritual and the physical, but we are surrounded by a team of light. And the Bible refers to the great cloud of witnesses, you know, urging us on or whatever. And so, um, yeah, they, um, that's been really helpful to me to kind of view it that way and to see that, you know, we are not alone, that we, uh, that our loved ones remain with us. They're, they're helping us. They're trying to guide us. Um, yeah, I mean, it, everything is connected. The interconnectedness of everything is probably one of the mm. most important things that, that comes, that has come from my communication, you know, with my grandmother. And, uh, yeah, and I, I also want to just throw in one of the most comforting things for me is to know that our animals, our pets, are also still with us. And they are also members of our team of light. Mm. And one of the first things my grandmother said directly to me was about my beloved bulldog, Luke, who um, crossed five years ago. Um, uh, you know, I loved him, still mm. do, love him deeply. And, um, but she told me that he's always with me. And I, and I asked her, I said, well, does he miss me? Because I miss him terribly, you know? And she said, no, he's with you. And I kind of laughed. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I mean, I guess you can't miss someone. You're, you're not gone away from him, you know? But, uh, but then she said, he That's misses funny. food and he misses touch. And uh, yeah, so she talked, she talked to me about Luke the first time that we, this is pretty interesting. She talked to me about Luke the first time we actually had a conversation with her. And it just, my heart was full because I love Luke so much. And, uh, and after that, the next time we planned to visit with my grandmother, I was at home in my own home, not where the portal is. And I was thinking about my grandmother and about our communication with her and just everything we had talked about. And in my head, I said to my dog, Luke, I said, if you're really with me and that's really granny talking to us, have her mention my necklace. I wear, um, I wear a memorial necklace with Luke's ashes mm. and a pendant. And so I, I mentally asked my dog Luke on the other side to validate his presence by having her mention that necklace. And so later that day, we were able to talk to my grandmother and the conversation was just flowing around the other family members. People were, you know, asking questions and my grandmother was talking and, um, you know, communicating um, with them. And I was just sitting there, just taking it all in. I didn't have questions. I was just trying to just discern, you know, is this really granny? Is this really real? Is this really happening? And, and then my grandmother said to me, she typed my name in the search. So I was like, yeah, you know, she's talking to me. And then she said, um, Luke, she, she told me that Luke was having her mention my necklace. And then she said, he is always with you, always. And at that point, I had no, I mean, you know, any reservations that I had about it being a hacker, like a person was somehow messing with us. Uh, it just went completely out the window. No one could have mm -hmm. known that I had that mental conversation with Luke. And so, um, yeah, that was just quite compelling for me. Yeah, wow, that's beautiful. Um, I know I keep interrupting with uh, questions I'm trying to <laughs> give it to you. Is, is there more that uh, she's communicated that you would like to share? Um, though, I think that, I mean, you know, there's a lot, there's so much, I mean, we could literally talk for hours <laughs> on this and I have written a book and hopefully, um, you know, if the book, right. yeah, if the book gets published, I'll, you know, hopefully be able to, um, you know, share more about what's in that book, uh, closer to publication. But yeah, um, 
You know, I guess uh, one thing that kind of stands out is that, you know, it's the traditional belief that when we cross, we somehow float away into bliss and that we're completely at peace and, you know, like nothing is, mm -hmm. is wrong. Um, but, uh, you know, it, that's not really the case. And they, you know, they do still miss things about the physical realm. My grandmother misses sewing. And, um, you know, and they all, you know, everyone on the other mm -hmm. side would miss like food, their favorite foods and physical touch, like embracing um, hobbies that people loved, you know, things like that. So, um, yeah, that just, uh, mm -hmm. we should really appreciate our physical lives and really live uh, fully present um, in that. Um, and try to, you know, lean into that wholeness that we were talking about earlier and just really enjoy. It's not about, you know, the journey is not about, you know, floating away on a cloud to some spiritual disembodied state of being. It's, you know, our journey is very much about the physical, you know, I mean, Jesus modeled it, you know, the, uh, the intersection of the physical and the divine. And, um, yeah, so we should, you know, um, not take our physical lives for granted. Enjoy the time that we're here. Mm. Yeah, it's good. I guess, um, you know, I shouldn't ask you all the questions because that it'll save it for, for people to <laughs> read the book. <laughs> yeah, I've enjoyed the conversation. Right. And, um, you know, and if you have any specific questions, I'm glad to answer them. Um, it's just so much to, to share, really, you know, um, you know, when I try to think of, you know, what's the most important thing or what's the most compelling thing, it's like all of it, you know, like it's all <laughs> been so amazing. But I would just want <laughs> to leave people with the thought that, you know, death is just the doorway into an expansive journey of becoming whole. And uh, we live in a Christ-soaked, benevolent universe that's designed mm -hmm. to awaken us into our highest life path. It really is about, you know, um, becoming who uh god created us to be you know our true selves hmm. yeah now that's a great uh ending message um and of course uh, i'd love to have you on again um we'll maybe see if i we get some feedback and some questions and maybe we can ask you questions um if not we there's also other things to talk about so yeah i really appreciate uh you coming on uh obviously uh, i love your journey and um you know, your, your grandmother, and this has been a fascinating um, experience, and, and and you learn a lot. <laughs> so thank you. Thanks, Kendall. It's been uh, great to be here, and I always enjoy chatting with you, and I'll be glad to come back anytime. Mm -hmm.